0: <laughs> Good evening, and welcome to the Plague Event, brought to you over the airwaves of the night. Listen closely as we have tales to make your skin prickle in fright. Can you withstand the haunting sounds of the Pandemic Player's hellacious Halloween spectacular? Keep tuning in and you might just find out. In our first tale, we have the terrifying tale of a lonely hitchhiker called Escape. The haunting story is told by Aaron Whaley.
1: Rain was falling heavily. It was like driving through a thick curtain of water. He eased off the accelerator a little. He had to be careful driving on wild nights like these. The last thing you'd want is to have an accident or breakdown. You just want to be at home on these stormy nights. The thwack-thwack of the windscreen wipers was hypnotic. He stared out into the glow of the headlights. The rain sounded like white noise interference as it battered the car. He was reminded of the opening scenes of a Hitchcock film. Through the wash of the rain, he spotted a figure at the side of the road. The person wore a green parka and had their thumb jerked out. Why on earth would anyone be hitchhiking tonight? Surely he would just stay put until the morning. They must have been in a rush to get where they were going. He signaled down and pulled over. The hitchhiker climbed in. He shut the door quickly, glad to be out of the rain. He pulled his hood back inside. He was somewhere in his mid-twenties and had wild red hair and a thick beard. Awful night, eh? said the driver. The hitcher held his gaze for a long moment, drops of rain and water trickled down his face. Yes, yes it is. The driver pulled out and continued through the storm. The hitcher glanced over his shoulder into the blackness behind him. Are you okay? The hitcher simply nodded. They drove on in silence for a short while, the radio blaring and out of the some car's speakers filled in for conversation. Mm. They listened to the radio and had their own thoughts as they moved on. Where are you headed? asked the driver. North, the hitcher pointed. Are you traveling to visit friends? Huh. The driver couldn't tell him. It was a yes or a no? He adjusted his tie nervously, but the hitcher stared at him in his suit and tie. The hitcher seemed scruffy in comparison in his parka and pink Floyd t-shirt. Do you work around here? asked the hitcher. Yes, said the driver. I was stuck late at the office. You know how it is. No, not really. Again, yeah, they drifted into silence. The talk radio show carried on as they drove through the wind and rain. The Hitcher shifted in his seat and stared out the window. No music? The Hitcher asked. What?
0: Is there no music
1: we could listen to? I like the talk radio shows. I'm not really a music fan. The Hitcher's eyes glazed over for a moment. Then he spoke. Well, I like listening to music. It uh, calms me down. The driver said nothing. Several miles later, there was a news bulletin on the radio. The reporter tried to remain professional as he read the announcement. We are getting reports that a patient has escaped from a Manchester psychiatric institution. The man is said to be psychopathic and is said to have a history of murder. The jabbed a finger on the button on the radio panel. Tinny pop music blurted out from the speakers. The driver stared at his passenger, his question unasked. "'I hate the news,' answered the Hitcher. "'It's so depressing. It brings me down. "'There's never any good news, eh?' "'The driver did not reply. "'Don't worry, I'm not the killer,' said the Hitcher, fidgeting with his coat. "'No,' said the driver. "'I mean, no, of course you aren't.' "'They drove on, listening to the crappy pop music and overexcited radio DJs. "'The rain pounded on the car. "'What do you do for a living?' Asked the driver. The hitcher was quiet for a moment, then he grinned. I am a writer. Really? How interesting. Have you had anything published? No, as yet I'm an undiscovered artist. I'm sure you will make it. What are you working on at the moment? I'm writing a novel. Yes? It's about a serial killer. The driver did not speak. He flipped talk radio station back on, a man was rambling on with himself about the change in days his wheelie bins were emptied. "'Where can I drop you?' asked the driver. The hitcher said nothing. When the driver glanced round, his passenger had his eyes closed. He was either asleep or feigning slumber. They drove on through the storm down the snaking lanes. An hour later, the storm still growled and raged. The hater looked out the window, the driver steered the car in silence. Another news bulletin came over the radio. We're getting more information on the escaped patient. The killer's name is Simon Hughes. He escaped from the Green Pastures Institute earlier this evening. He is extremely dangerous and completely unpredictable. Simon Hughes made his escape by changing from his hospital-issued uniform into a suit and tie and pretending to be one of the medical staff. He stole a car and drove off. The hitcher turned to the driver. What, uh, what'd you say your name was? My name is Simon. The hitcher stared in shock. Simon grinned, the headlights of a passing car glinted off the knife blade in Simon's hand.
0: I suppose the moral of this story is Never trust someone who is willing to pick up a stranger In our next ghoulish affair We learn of the horrors of working with children I've always said the best place for children is in a good meat pie (laughs) This presentation of unpleasantries is told to us by Donna Sheely
2: speak louder please i put my hand up to my ear from the back of the room signaling that she would need to raise her voice she took a deep breath i could see anxiety turning her cheeks beet red as strands of blonde hair began to fall out of the same nappy ponytail she wore every day there was something about her so familiar but i just couldn't put my finger on it with her face glued to the paper Too afraid to make eye contact, she quickly sputtered out Hi, my name is Paisley Jackson, and this is my poem called My Family. Paisley was a shy little girl. In fact, she was one of the quietest students I ever had in my 10 years of teaching which I guess being the youngest of 11 will do that to anyone. Surprisingly, she was very smart, unlike the rest of her siblings who were dumber than a box of rocks. Lord, the Jackson kids were such a headache, except for Paisley, of course. I just wish I could have given her more opportunities to improve her future. Don't get me wrong. I tried to help Paisley, I really did. I gave her clothes, food, and even had funds lined up for her. But living dirt poor in a shack out in the middle of the desert was a bad hand to be dealt in life. Besides, no matter what I did, it wouldn't have made a difference. Everyone knows that the cycle of poverty is almost impossible to break. I crossed my legs, pen in hand, preparing for yet another bland story about a family I'd never get to meet. If you've ever worked with underprivileged kids, you'd know that guardian involvement is quite rare. When it came to interest in their daughter's education, Paisley's parents were no exception. I have two mommies. One named Betty who can make a spaghetti. I call her mom. She's the one that's married to my dad, Tom. One named Claire with pretty yellow hair. I call her mommy. Dad calls her his project, his hobby. Being smack dab in the middle of Utah, I've seen hundreds of polygamous families, so this didn't strike me odd. Besides, even though polygamy is illegal, I try to keep my nose in my own business. Mom takes care of us all. She can do that because she's so tall. Mommy wears a pretty silver bracelet. She wears it because she's so famous. Wouldn't be the first time I saw kids coming up with stories about celebrity parents to add excitement to their ordinary lives. I just didn't expect it to come from Paisley. Mommy has me and Tommy. He's one of my older brothers. Mom is a lot older. She has all the others. I cringe. That meant that one of Paisley's mothers had given birth to 9 children. I couldn't imagine going through that many pregnancies. Dad says me and Tommy are a gift from God. He'll never hit us with a rod. His pride and joy is Tommy, but he says the only person he truly loves is Mommy. I looked up from my grade book with the line about a rod catching my attention. However, this wasn't the first time one of my students have accidentally reported abuse. Truth is, CPS picks and chooses who they want to help Mom is having another baby. She's mad Dad wants to name it Daisy. Mommy can't have no more kids. Her last one died of SIDS. Shifting in my seat, I scribbled down a note reminding myself to deliver my daughter's old baby clothes to the Jackson's shack. As a mother myself, I know babies can be expensive. Dad says he did it on purpose because she wanted to run off and join the circus. Mom says it wasn't her fault. I promised to keep that secret in the me and her vault. I shook my head in sadness. How could someone blame a grieving mother for something she couldn't control? Mommy was the one Dad chose. He watched all of her school shows. They were joined in the night. Daddy says inside her is a lot of fight. Mom is just a cover. Dad doesn't really love her. I threw my hand up, a gesture meaning stop I had taught my students, but Paisley didn't look up. She continued to read, oblivious to my disappointed frown. Obviously, one of her siblings put her up to this as a joke. Mommy says she needs to get out. She wants to show me what life is all about. Dad gets mad, it's his biggest pet peeve. Mommy is sad, she just wants to leave. Mommy sings to me her favorite song. Mom says Dad's head is wired wrong. Shaking my head, I sighed. Another child with so much potential and such a kind heart was stuck in the middle of a lover's quarrel that didn't even involve her. Last birthday, I wanted to take Mommy to see her favorite basketball team. Mom made me a cake with frosted buttercream. I got to go see the Knicks, but Dad said he made a mistake he couldn't fix. Nothing is the same anymore. I don't know why for sure. Now dad cries at night alone. He asks God, what have I done? To mom, he no longer tends. He hopes the baby will make amends. Paisley rose her head up with a smile, looking for my approval. Although I was appalled at the inappropriateness of her poem, I didn't want to break her spirits. She clearly was very proud of it, and scolding her for something that wasn't her wrongdoing was just going to send that little girl back into her shell that I'd been trying to break for months. So instead, I clapped, making the rest of the class, who were too young to understand the gravity of the situation, applaud, too. Mrs. June... I brought a picture of Mommy for extra credit. It's got one more part of the poem. Can I show the class? I nodded my head, thinking there couldn't possibly be any details worse than what she'd already presented. Paisley reached into the front pocket of her old, worn-out hand-me-down dress. Pulling out an old, aging photo, she flipped the flaking picture around, displaying it as if it was her most prized possession. My blood ran cold. I finally figured out why Paisley looked so familiar to me. In what seemed to be a school photograph smiling ear to ear exactly like Paisley was a young woman by the name of Claire Daisy. She was a high school student popular for her ability to gain the lead in every school play that went missing without a trace 12 years prior. She was last seen leaving theater practice late one night, but then she just vanished no sign of a struggle no witnesses no evidence no body nothing her case was covered on every news station in utah for a while because of how peculiar it was until people lost interest paisley happily continued i was so in shock i couldn't stop her and she read off the back of the picture." There is one thing I don't understand, and maybe you'll have the answer at hand. If Dad's love for Mommy will never sway, why did he treat her that way? Mom lays her head on a nice soft bed, but Mommy sleeps in the basement under a big slab of cement.
0: Well brave listeners, it appears that we are at the end. The sun draws near, and we must make our leave as the witching hour slips away. But never forget the stories we spun, as like webs from a spider, your time has come.